open the door. Open the door. I have been praying about this very message, the entire series, that somebody will hear God's voice and say, it's time for me to open the door. So it doesn't matter where you're connecting with us today, if you're joining us online from across the nation, around the world, whatever state you're in or whatever state of life you're in, nobody is beyond God's reach for him to lift to greatness. So uh, right here in beautiful 305 Miami-Dade County, Kendall Campus, Gables Campus, I'm happy to welcome everybody who's making their connection with us today and praying God's blessing upon you. If this message lands right, if you can visualize it the way that Jesus and his apostles see it, it will take your breath away. That's what I'm praying for. I want to know what I'm praying for, that God will take your breath away because what we've been exploring is God's best offer for your best life, a.k.a., also known as, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven for you. And in this final message, this final message is about your future. God's best offer is inviting you into a take-your-breath-away future. So hold that thought and let me ask you this. Can you think of some moments in your life when you, your breath was literally taken away? I mean, like one I saw on social media just recently, uh, a young woman who looked like, I mean, she was a house with the lights were on in every room. You know, I mean, she was so lit up and then she showed her new engagement ring and it was like, oh yeah, I get that because, you know, I'm remembering still the day that Lisa said yes to my proposal of marriage, and it was a breathtaking moment for me. It was like, really? I mean, you, you want to do this? It was took my breath away. I can fast forward to another one that came quickly to my mind as well. When our firstborn daughter gave birth to our firstborn grandson, and uh, I'm telling you, uh, it was take your breath away from me to look at her holding that little guy, that little boy piece of me, and uh, that miracle child who was an answer to many, many prayers, I can tell you, but it was a breathless moment for me. Now, some of you are, are thinking of another one. You know, maybe it was when you got that acceptance letter to the university of your choice, or maybe when the job, they, you landed it, <laughs> and they said, yes, you're the one, or maybe it was when the scholarship came through, and you go, <gasps> breathless moments. Here's one that I haven't experienced personally, but I'm telling you, every time I see this happen, I have one of those. It's when somebody who's been serving in military duty comes home and makes a surprise reunion with their children or their parents. And every time, I just want to, I just hold my breath. I go, let play it again. <laughs> play it again. You know, breathless moments. You're thinking of something, right? You've had them. Moments that are just beyond words. You don't know how to say them. In fact, some of those breathless moments come through gifts that are beyond words, like music that moves us, or a theatrical performance that you've seen, and it just like grips you, and it's, it's holding you there, right? I'm remembering when our Jess got lead in the school musical play, it was a breathless moment for all of us. It was like, this is too good to be true. Pinch me. This is really happening, you know? It's like time just stands still. Some moments coming to mind for you. Another one for me was 1997, 
World Series, Miami, and I'm telling you, the Marlins are, and Levon Hernandez came down to that last strike, and you want to talk about holding our breath? I mean, the entire stadium arena was like, oh. And then it happened. <laughs> and then the place exploded and it was like, man, we're having liftoff right here. The entire place was just lifting. The baseball great, breathless moments, but the baseball great Yogi Berra once said, maybe you know this, it ain't over till it's over. Till it's over. The key word is over. What does over mean? Well, I'm telling you, one day your life on earth will be over. And your eternal destiny will begin. I'm talking to believers in Christ right now, but I'm telling you, the Christian life, in the Christian life, it's not just how you get off the blocks that matters. It's how you break the tape. It's how you finish the race. It's how you run. In fact, God's will is for you to run your race all the way into the winner's circle. God's will for you, believer, if you claim yourself as a believer today, then here's God's will for you. It's that you finish well with reward. A breathless moment. And bursting into that reward on the other side, I'm telling you, it's going to take your breath away. Listen to this from Hebrews chapter 10, 35 on. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly. Rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have what? Done the will of God. That's what the series has been all about. When you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come, and he will not delay but my righteous one will live by faith. And then he says, I will take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and then who are saved. Powerful. You know, this is like when you have done the will of God. This entire series has been about that. When you have done that, the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Now, this text is so loaded. I want to just unpack it a little bit and narrow our focus, okay? What does it say? It's, it tells us that one who is coming will come and not delay. Jesus Christ is coming again. This world has not seen the last of Jesus Christ. Jesus promised to his followers before he went to the cross and rose from the dead, he said, I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will what? Come again. So that where I am, there you may be also. I'm going to receive you to myself. He's coming again. But this message isn't about that. It's in the text. But when he comes again, it says the text also says that it's going to be a day of great reward of a heavenly inheritance. And we're going to get a little sneak peek into that a little bit later in the message. But this message is not a travelogue of the streets of gold and the pearly gates on the other side. That matters, but that's not what this message is about. It says that along the way, some are going to shrink back. 
It says that some will fall away. It says that some will meet destruction. I mean, that's heavy. That's heavy. You don't want to be that guy. And we don't like to think about that. But there is coming an eternal parting of the ways. Jesus taught it. The apostles taught it. Jesus said the sheep and the goats, the saved and the lost, there's coming a parting of the way. And this message is going to help us prepare for that. But this message is not just about that. You know what this message is about? The will of God. That's what the entire series has been about. Now, why does that matter? I'll tell you one of the reasons it matters. In the religion of Islam, the teaching of God's will is this. Whatever happens, Allah wills it. You can check it out for yourself. I'm not making this up. I'm just telling you the will of God in the practice of Islam is that whatever happens in life, it is the will of Allah. Nothing happens that is not decreed by Allah. The good, the bad, everything that happens. And the worshiper's part is now to deal with it in response to his will. I got to tell you, this is not the teaching of Jesus. Jesus teaches that God is good. Jesus taught that God is intrinsically good. That means through and through, all the way deep to God's core is goodness. That means there is no evil in him. No evil can come from him. No evil represents him. Jesus said God alone is good. Now, Jesus affirms the sovereignty of God overall. That's not a question here. But Jesus never teaches that everything that happens is the will of God. Did you know that? Read your Bible for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Check it out. But the Bible tells us that there are things that happen in this world that are not God's will. Like God is not the author of evil. In our lives, in our families, in our futures, in our world, evil comes when human freedom is abused and results in sin. But when we use our freedom to choose God's will, we step into our best lives and find ourselves among the rank of the overcomers. Even in an evil world, this is the heart of the gospel right here. We step into our best lives. And that's why Jesus said, pray like this, thy will be done in my life on this earth as it is in heaven. Now, we've been looking at specific texts in the New Testament where it clearly teaches, the author clearly writes that something is the will of God for our lives. Here's a brief review. In other words, it is God's will that we be saved, that we enter into a personal relationship of trust and love with Jesus Christ as our living Savior, living God, who opens the wide open spaces of salvation to us. We saw that in our first message, through forgiveness and through fullness of life. Speaking of fullness, what we saw next was that it is God's will that we be filled with his Holy Spirit and that God's Holy Spirit resources us for our living every day, come what may, so that 
the Holy Spirit of God, of Jesus Christ, is our companion, our counselor, our comforter, and our coach. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice. So the Holy Spirit whispers God's promptings to us when we're listening in our decision-making. Now, sometimes you'll hear somebody say this, well, everything happens for a reason. You know what I'm thinking when I hear that? Yeah, the reason might be you made a bad decision. <laughs> you, you, you made a foolish choice. Only sometimes other words are coming to my mind that I won't use right now. It's like everything happens for a reason. What are you talking about? As a Christ follower, here's God's plan. God's will is that you make choices that bring God's wisdom into this world. That's his will through spirit-filled living. And then what we saw was this, that God's spirit doesn't just want to prompt you. He wants to fill you and sanctify you all the way deep. His will is that we be sanctified. That means set apart completely by letting the Holy Spirit's influence go all the way deep with us, especially into our sexuality. So much confusion over this in the world today. And none of us are perfect, but Paul says it is God's will that we seek to avoid sexual immorality of every kind, and then that we possess our bodies honorably and with holy respect. And then we saw it's God's will that we follow Jesus' example. This was last Sunday when Ryan taught that we follow Jesus' example of doing good, even in the face of suffering, because the bottom line is this. We will suffer in a world like this. Any, suffering comes to everybody, but especially anybody who loves the way Jesus loves in this world is going to wind up on a cross. in a world like ours, a world that is at mutiny against God, a world that's at rebellion against his will, where the prophet says, all we, like sheep, go astray. Every one of us turns to his own way. That's just the Bible's way of saying this. There's something off in my moral compass. And when I say, hey, I just follow your heart, well, be careful, <laughs> because your heart may reflect that you're going to wind up in a ditch. Because the steering alignment, the steering alignment of your spiritual life is off. That's what the scripture is trying to tell us. That's what we need from God. And uh, probably why Jesus said this, in the world you will suffer tribulation. Some of it is going to be of your own making. That means multiplied trials, multiplied troubles. That's what tribulation means. But then he says, but make this choice. Be of good cheer. Take courage. I have overcome the world. Even in this world, we can choose joy. Even in this world. And do good. So Peter, who happened to be there when Jesus said the other one, writing in his letter, said this. You know, the will of God that we can silence ignorant talk of foolish people by doing good. This is the will of God. He says, not by shouting them down but by following Jesus' example, simply to do good. And today, today, we see that doing the will of God is about perseverance with steadfast faith. God's will is for you to run your race all the way into the winner's circle. A long-distance runner. You know, the Christian life is more like a marathon than it is a 100-meter dash. It's not just how you get off the blocks. It's how you break the tape, how you finish the race. The long obedience in the same direction is what Eugene Peterson 
the author of the message version calls it. It's faithful fellowship. It's deeper discipleship. This is God's will. The writer of Hebrews says this way, don't throw away your confidence. You're going to be tempted to. (laughs) But it will be richly rewarded. You need to what? Persevere. Why? Because when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And then he goes on to say this, we are not of those who shrink back. Would you say shrink back? Yeah, we're not of the shrink back crowd. We are of those who believe and are saved. So you're running your race in doing God's will, and I'm telling you what you're going to meet right now. You are going to meet encounter after encounter of reasons to shrink back, of reasons to peel away, of reasons to, uh, to lose focus, to start drifting, to, uh, to drop out, or even, you know, tap out. Hey, it's too tough. They're going to come. And when we do, when we do God's will in the midst of that, when we persevere and keep believing, that will will carry us all the way into the winner's circle. So what are some reasons that we're tempted to shrink back? Here are some that come to mind for me. See if you relate to them. The list could go on, I'm sure. But the first big one for me is pain. Pain. It just hurts. I don't want it. I don't want to hurt. You know, if you've ever run for any length of time, does your side ever hurt? <laughs> yeah, running hurts. You know what? Spiritual running does too. And it's going to give you a reason to tap out, to say, to shrink back. You know, sometimes circumstances can feel like a body slam or a stab in your ribs, whether the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, financial security just going poof. Say, man, I thought if I was going to follow God's will, he's going to take care of me. Yeah, well, part of God's will is you persevere when it feels like he's not. And the reward is coming. But sometimes, you know, when when we feel like God is distant and God is absent and God's taken forever, you think, man, I just got to do something about this. We feel like God's been unfair. The pain of God not being fair, not being true. Sometimes people are just disappointing. You know, pastors are disappointing, aren't we? And you had expectations, and they didn't get met. And, you know, so you're, you're tempted to shrink back, to pull back, to tap out, because you're just disappointed. You got your feelings hurt by somebody. You weren't loved well. You had a disappointing experience. You had a bad experience at church, you know. And, uh, and so what do you do? You're tempted to shrink back. I'm telling you, he knows what he's talking about here. Pain is a big reason some people just back off. Another one is impatience. Impatience. Man, God is just taking way too long. If I was in charge, it would have already been done. Right? You're thinking that. You don't have time to wait on God. And God's timing makes him feel distant or absent. And it's frustrating. Tell you something that's frustrating right now to me is to have to keep fighting the long-term challenge of this COVID pandemic that just doesn't seem to go away. Come on. When is it going to go away? That's what I'm saying. I want to see it in my rearview mirror. We get impatient. And so sometimes we try to run ahead. This is like Abraham, the father of the faithful. Do you know his story? Instead of waiting on God with his wife, he decides to have a baby with another woman because it was taking too long for God to get his will done. We just don't have time to wait on God. 
We think God's taken way too long and uh, we don't have time to wait. Some people do that. Another reason that (laughs) moral failure, that's what happened with Abram, you know, he was motivated, but then shame kicked in. That's another reason people shrink back. You know, we mess up and then we get embarrassed and then we disqualify ourselves. And I'm telling you, the spiritual enemy, the deceiver, he lo- he's got to be happy about that. Speaking of deceiver, spiritual opposition is a big one. The evil one has little reason to harass and hinder somebody who's already going his way. He focuses his efforts on those who pose a real threat against his dominion. Who are those? Those are growing believers who refuse to shrink back, who are laying hold of the promise, and who are persevering in the middle of the problem, and they're still pounding forward. And I'm thinking Satan works overtime to seduce believers who are making a difference into temptations, distractions, and deceptions. So you're wondering, man, I thought I'd get close to God and things would go better. No. You get close to God, Jesus said persecution is going to find you. And I'm thinking that the devil's looking for a double payoff. One is to corrupt our commitment, which is our love to God. And then secondly, to compromise our witness to others. How many times have you seen a headline of some other Christian star that's fallen from the sky and you go, ugh, really? And now we just don't want to say that I'm a Christian. That's what he's talking about. So what's the solution to that? Perseverance in doing the will of God. Who makes that choice? Only you for you. Only me for me. But doing the will of God means I'm not going to get sidetracked to the left or to the right. The temptations are going to be there. But God's will is for you to run your race all the way into the winner's circle. Like Paul says, you know, I want to fight the good fight. I'm not just shadow boxing. I want to run well. I want to finish my race well. I want to keep the faith. Yes, yes, yes. Like Paul says, 2 Timothy 4, steadfast, sustained obedience, resolute perseverance until Christ comes. That's what he's asking for. And then he says that's going to bring the ultimate reward. You know what that is? God-sized greatness. Can I say it again? Maybe you've never imagined this, but it's God-sized greatness in your life. Theologians call it glorification. The glorification of the believer. Now we're talking, take your breath away. I don't ordinarily do this, but I want to read in a moment a summary from a pastor theologian reflecting on what it means for those of us in Christ to be glorified. Now we've learned from Scripture that All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You probably know that verse, Romans 3.23. But in Christ, we are promised restored glory. Jesus talks about it in John chapter 17 in his great high priestly prayer. Paul writes about it repeatedly in his letters. One of the places is Romans chapter 5 verse 2. We boast in hope of the glory of God. What does that mean? Ryan shared last week, Colossians 1.27, Christ in you is your hope of glory. What is that? If there's something waiting for me that I'm supposed to know about, what is it? Well, glorification. Here's what William Hull says about it. The last word of the Bible on the subject of salvation is breathtaking. 
with its vision of the possibilities of life in Christ. The secular human potential movement of today does not come close to this soaring prospect of God's glorifying humanity and of human beings glorifying God. For what salvation means is, here's the quote, the Christian God, unlike any other, wants to share his splendor, wants to share his responsibilities, wants to share his, uh, his privileges. Our God is not possessive even of his privilege as God. That's amazing to me. Furthermore, he goes on, it is with ordinary people like you and me that he is willing to share his status Then he says, imagine, imagine, God believes in us enough to entrust us with the riches that belong only to him as God. The quote concludes like this. I didn't have, I didn't want to spend all the screen on it, but here's what he says. In so much of our world today, human life is cheap with millions perishing at the whim of a dictator. And even in the West, life is cheapened by cynicism and despair. But against every put-down of human potential, the Christian doctrine of salvation fairly shouts, you can be glorified because you matter infinitely to God. God can score a lot with your life. This is what I'm thinking. I... I've reviewed this, read it time and again, and I'm thinking, you know, God can score a lot with your life, just like your favorite athlete. But just like your favorite athlete, God only scores when he has possession of the ball. So the key to greatness is what? Get him the ball. The key to winning when you cross the finish line is get God the ball. Now, are you familiar with this story? It's called, I would love to serve and do your will, Lord, but. You know this story? Uh, Usually we find our way into it as teenagers and God's first call to our life to say, follow me, lead me. And and my first response to God is, well, you know, Lord, I've got grades to make if I want to get that scholarship to the university, so can I just get back to you on that? Of course, you go on to college, and at that point, what's happening? Well, you're thinking, uh, hey, this is great, and Lord, you know, I really do love you, and I want to serve your will, but I'm so busy. I got so much going on in my life, and uh, you know, YOLO, you only live once which means that I'm only a university student once, so I'm, I'm thinking, can I just get back to you on that once I get this part over? And then, of course, you graduate from college, and, and you try to get a job, and maybe you go back to your parents' home, and you're thinking, well, this will be all right for a while, you know, but, Lord, I really, I, I really love you and want to serve your will, but I got to get out of here because this, this really isn't working for me. And uh, 
Maybe I can just get back to you once I get this worked out. And so it goes, right? I said, Lord, I really, I really love you. I want to serve you and do your will. But there's this guy. There's this girl. I really like him. Can I get back to you on that? And so through career, through ins, outs, ups, downs, hurricane seasons, election cycles, God, you know, I really, I really love you. I want to do your will. But maybe after my kids are grown, then, you know, check, check me out then. Or after, you know, those grandkids are married and on their way. And then when I'm retired, and I've got some time, of course, after I make sure that I'm going to be doing what I want to do, I can say, Lord, I really, I, want, I love you and I want to serve you and do your will. Here I am, Lord, send me. You know this game. I do. And I'm thinking, how different would it have been if when God first called, she would have said, Lord, I want to seek first your kingdom and do your will with my life. I accept your offer. Or if he had said, I am here to do your will. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I could use your wisdom to help me in my relational life in knowing how to make these choices. I could use your power to help me as I face these challenges and temptations. If you want to help guide me, then I want in to what you have for me from the very beginning so that your best offer can bring your best life into my life. Lead me so that in all of my ways, you might make my path straight. Now, if that sounds so familiar, I need to remind all of us quickly this. It's never too late to put your life in Jesus' hands. God has a way of starting right where you are and then restoring what has been lost, redeeming what is left, and then reclaiming what you're thinking is past. Remember, like Yogi Berra said, it ain't over till it's what? Over. Now, sometimes the devil's going to be whispering in your ear and saying, man, you're done. It's over. You had your chance. And look what you did. You know, this, this is where you are. No, I'm going to tell you, the devil wants you to believe that. But Jesus wants you to know it ain't over till it's over. It doesn't matter if you're 17 or if you're 70. What God can do when you put your little in his hands is he says, I'll take it. I'll take what's left, and I'm going to make it new. And you're wondering, well, what could he do with me? I'll tell you, I bet the little boy with that lunch that day was wondering the same thing. All I got, a few loaves and a few fish, and Jesus has this multiplying power that says, watch me work. I wonder if he's saying that to somebody today. What can God do now?
Now, I said at the start of this talk that if this message lands, then we might find ourselves at a take-your-breath-away moment, and I'm wondering, is that true? Only you would know that. But I do know Jesus said this, sometimes we have ears and we really don't hear. Sometimes we have eyes, but we really don't see. And it's because our hearts have grown hardened. And why is that? Well, we talked about this, that when we quench God's spirit, when we say, Lord, you know, I love you, I want to serve your will, but no, then we desensitize our hearts. God's tried to move us. God's tried to say, I want to show you what I can do with you. But we've said, not yet, not now. Check me later. I'll get back to you. I always want to tell you, flat out as I can, if freedom is what you want, then following God's word is where you'll find it. Doing God's will is where you'll find it. And then when this life is up and your time is over, I mean for real over, then you will have nothing to fear because you've been living God's will. And when you cross over from this life to that one, it's going to be a breathless moment welcoming you across the finish line and the angels and the loved ones will be cheering you on as you come into the winner's circle. This is God's will for your life. Your time is coming. Will it be a moment of transcendent glory or unnecessary regret? Live your life in God's will and he'll take your breath away. But that's a decision only you can make for you. Now I'm thinking of a friend of mine who was at his father's bedside when he passed. And he said his dad, he was telling me, he said, Bill, my dad just kind of pulled up off the bed and said, almost. And then he leaned back down. He said, did it again. Almost. Harry said, you know, he said to his dad, dad, almost what? He leaned up again. He said, almost home. When this life ends, eternal life doesn't. And God's desire is to take you into that breathless moment of glory. Who knows what it's going to be on the other side? Jesus does. He wants every one of us there with him. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the presence of your spirit to open our ears, to open our eyes. Speak to us now. Grant us grace and strength to say yes to your offer. What are you sensing, brother, sister? Are you seeing anything? Are you feeling anything? Maybe God is trying to get you unstuck. Maybe God is trying to get you off stall. Maybe God is wanting to bring his life into your life for the very first time. You've been in religion. You've done churchianity. But but Christ wants to fill you with himself. Would you say yes right now? The prayers are similar. Lord Jesus, you are King of kings, and I believe you love me. And so I'm listening, 
and I'm willing to open my life once again to you. Have your way in me. Forgive my sin, cleanse my soul, and restore me to the future that you desire for me as a believer. I just want, I'm sorry for quenching your spirit. And I invite you now to fill me according to your promise. And perhaps you're on the front end of your spiritual journey and you'd like to know, how can I trust Christ? It's a similar prayer. God, if that's you that I'm sensing right now, tugging on my heart, making me feel something that I'm not accustomed to, then I wouldn't mind hearing more. In fact, I'm going to open my mind and open my heart and invite you to take me to the next step. I want to get close to you. I want to experience this joy. And so I open my heart to you, Jesus. Come into my life and help me to take the next step. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, may I invite God's blessing upon you. Kendall Campus, Gables Campus, if you prayed and would lift your hand, then let me pray with you and for you. You're joining us online. Let me invite God's Spirit to meet you there. Lord Jesus, thank you for every person who's taken this step of faith to invite you to reveal yourself to them. And we pray that they would sense your presence as we make this prayer in your name.